Juan. Hey everybody, uh, it's Mr. B here. You can find me in a number of places like Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, all those crazy places. Mr. Bevers, that's what you got to look for. Kraken packs, booster packs, playing some commander, all those good things. And I've always wanted to have a Planeswalker friend just like you. Uh, SD Sharpie here. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at SD underscore Sharpie or in the CMD Discord. And I've always wanted to live in a multiverse near you. Hey, he got it. All right. And hey, it's me, Mr. Comet number five. I'm your annoying voice and face that you see on way too much of our stuff. Uh, you can always get at me at, at uh, Twitter at Mr. Comet number five, all spelled out except for five. Um, I also do run our primary Twitter about 30% of the time. So at CMD Tower on there as well. And like, hey, let's make the most of this beautiful board state. Uh, here in Mr. Bever's neighborhood, we are here to address the salt and sodium in the room. Uh, every episode, we're going to address a top salty card from the EDHREC.com salty list. And of course, we're working off of the year 2021. And then have our dear friend, Mr. Bevers, help us through how to navigate the social constructs around it. We do this all through the following. <clears throat> Number one, what makes this card annoying and salt-ducing, whether this be community experiences that we've had our own just general thoughts, things that maybe even the rules committee has put out. But then why do we, us specifically, Mr. Bevers, SD and me, react this way if we do it all? And if we don't react that way, why don't we? And then finally, how can we form habits that can really change this reaction and way of thinking and, you know, just over the long haul? So, of course... We mentioned pre-audio that uh, we finally got a card. Because uh, I would say Miss, uh, I would say SD's a lot like myself. I mean, Mr. Bevers, nothing really gets him riled up. But SD and I, where it's like we're kind of like combo tryhards, but like we're down to see gross, disgusting stuff. Uh, and then I threw out, how about number fifty on the idiot <laughs> salty list in Thieves Auction, and he about quit. So, SD, <laughs> why don't you read what Thieves Auction is? Uh, give us, you know, roughly how many decks you might see it in on EDH rec, if there's a notable printing, just some, like, little information about it before we start the episode. So, we've got Thieves Auction for triple red and four generic. You have a sorcery that says, set aside all cards in play, starting with you. Each player chooses one of the cards set aside and puts it into play tapped under his or her control. You repeat this process until all those cards have been chosen. Uh, it looks like it's seeing play in about 2,524 decks on EDH Rec. And uh, I guess an interesting printing would be the White Border 8th Edition with um, the kind of confusing uh, text, I guess. Because it, it says set aside instead of exile. So I thought that was kind of weird. Well, it's basically like the OG from Mercridium Mass, just without the additional reminder text on there about enchantments. <laughs> well, before we get into this, uh, we would love for you guys, if you have a salty card that you want to play, and maybe you don't want to go buy it, I mean, this card's only a couple bucks, so not a big deal, but sometimes there's a card out there that just pisses everyone off, and you don't want to spend $50 on it, that's where a baseproxyshop.com 
really comes into play. They are our playtest proxy sponsor. Uh, code CMD Tower for their website to get you 10% off. Uh, they have everything you need on there. Plus, you guys can also go to our link tree, and you'll also find their great uh, links on there. So just remember, abyssproxyshop.com, code CMD Tower if you're looking for a playtest. So now, SD, remember, this isn't your specific feelings. you got to save that. <laughs> Why do you think the community doesn't like this card? Because, I mean, number 50, it's not 100 where it's fringe, but it's also not number one. It seems odd to be right in the middle. I think that altogether, the reason people don't like this kind of goes back to um, the previous episode, like Winter Orb, and we talked about that, and Voren Collects. Uh, people don't like you messing with their stuff. When it comes to Voren Collects and Winter Orb, they, they don't like you messing with their lands, whereas Thieves' Auction is you, you're just messing with all their stuff. You're just going to take it all. And I don't think people thoroughly enjoy that very often. Hmm. So some of the things that I had read up on... <clears throat> that, uh, you know, like, why do people get so mad at it? The weird thing, it seemed like the noisiest of the community was your combo players and your aggro players, which the interesting is like they're very opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I mean, both of them are trying to end the game as quickly as possible. They're doing some overwhelming thing. It's just I would I would argue that we usually look at aggro as being more fair and combo being less fair. Yet both of them are number one. They're like, F this card, Thieves Auction, we don't want it. And it makes sense, I guess, because a combo player, it's like you're trying to get your right enchantments, the right mana rocks, got to get your commander out. Maybe you've had to deal with some of your opponent's stuff. You know, an aggro player, you just got done producing 25 tokens. You're trying to give them haste or aggravated assault, things like that. And then Thieves Auction comes down and it's like, hey, you know all that hard work you did for like, four turns and you just went straight gas underworld breach like 19 times all of that's getting shuffled up let's go the thing i don't get is why this card is like i guess saltier than possibly like scramble verse and some of the other cards that are kind of similar uh but i do think from a community perspective it seems like it's the aggro and the combo players that just really don't vibe with this particular card mr b what do you think of it I mean, I think that I think that you're both right on the money here, right? With this one, is that I think a lot of people don't like it specifically because it mucks with their stuff, right? As uh, SD so elegantly put, right? Basically, people don't like things that are gonna change the way they play their game, right? A lot of folks will sit down at a commander table and be like, here's my game plan, right? My deck is going to try to win in this way, this way, or this way. And then a card like Thieves Auction goes, okay, well, now you can't win in any of those ways. How are you going to win? So, you know, it, it, it basically stymies a lot of, like you said, combo decks. But the thing it does with aggro decks, as you said, since this kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, it takes away, you know, their, I guess their upside of having probably more attackers than you have blockers, right? That kind of thing. So it kind of evens out the battlefield in that sense. And that's why I think you'll find that a lot of folks don't like this type of card or this type of interaction because it's it's basically like casting a sim something similar to like a balance or something like that, right? Where you're just basically making, setting everybody back to normal. Balance is probably less salty because you're not taking their things, right? Yeah. I think most of the time you'll find, and this is probably due also to the fact that it's only run in what is like 2,300 decks or something like that. 
which is a very small number when you think about the total decks on EDH rec, right? Sure. It's probably that people who are playing this card are probably playing in a deck where they're like, I have things that I don't care if you take them, right? And therefore, it's very like one-sided in the aspect of that person who casts this is probably getting a whole bunch of benefit and not really losing anything uh, of note, right? And whereas the people who are losing things are probably losing things that are much more interesting and uh, exciting than than what they're gaining right from the card. Uh, now, that being said, I mean, there's obviously lots of other thing, other ways this can go as well. Right. Uh, so it's, it's it's one of those interesting ones for sure. So one of the thing I kind of thought of and SD, I'm curious if you think this adds into why people get frustrated with this card. Two things just kind of sitting here playing the card through my head. One, it does say non-token permanent, so that will include your lands. So part part one question, do you think part of the feel bad is people have seen how someone will just get screwed out of lands and they just get a bunch of just like trash? It's like, oh, great. I got four equipments, uh, a two drop commander and <clears throat> I, I don't know, uh, a grave pact but I have no mana to do anything with. So that's the first. But the B of that, do you also think it's because people are cheating? Not cheating, but they're playing the card to their advantage because it does also say non-token. We've right. seen the influx of tokens now. You could create 50 treasures with your Dockside, do Thieves Auction, you still have 50 treasures, and now you have a whole new thing of resources to like work with. So... You know, one, do you think it's because people get screwed out of their lands? And then two, do you think it's because now we have this influx of treasures or we've had that there's maybe not as much disadvantage for the caster? Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I agree with both of those. I think like earlier you stated, it's the combo players and the aggro players. The combo players are the ones that are losing their lands. They're they're sitting there with minimal resources. They're not going to have a bunch of creatures and stuff like that. They're going to have mana rocks and lands to try and combo off with, and they're going to lose all that. And like you said, it sucks to get stuck with um, equipments or enchantments that don't do anything with your deck. As far as like the cheating, the, the cheating goes. Yeah. The, the tokens is one of them, uh, but you have a number of cards that actually kind of screw your opponents over. If they get them, you know, things that say they can't cast creature spells or they can't do this and they can't do that. Uh, you usually see those types of cards paired with thieves auction. So I think um, what you said is very true. And of course, we can't forget there is, because it combos with like a billion carves, the fairy's protection. We get it. We don't want to hear it. It's one card that does the same thing with like a billion other people. So um, yes, if you want to play this whole priority the fairy's protection, you will get the most <laughs> advantage out of it. But it's the same way with Armageddon and all those other ones. So to me, that kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bevers, any last thoughts from yourself? I'm, I'm thinking something similar along the lines of what you mentioned about the, you know, in quotations, cheating, right? Um, with having, you know, like you have a pile of treasures and stuff. One of the other things that could be happening, too, is because the card has never been printed with its errata text, people might be exiling tokens, not thinking about it right oh and and being like oh i'm a go wide token deck and all of a sudden all my tokens are gone crap yep right and people are playing it like a like a pseudo board wipe because it's like well we exile all your tokens and now they're gone forever so whatever right yeah when it doesn't in fact do that 
Uh, it exiles all non-token permanents. So uh, it might be one of those things where if someone doesn't necessarily know the card has been errated to say that, they won't necessarily know, right? Yeah. And therefore, you might be getting opponents who are feeling salty because they've just had their board wipe when really it shouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. That kind of thing, right? And I mean, obviously, there's also a salt level here with this card around resolving the card and its effect, right? Like, I mean, this this card probably takes you the better part of half an hour to resolve, depending on how many permanents are on the board, right? Yeah. And, and this is all because, you know, like, let's say at a minimum, everybody has six permanents in play when this card is cast, right? Because you have to have seven mana. So let's say you have at least some sort of ramp or something, right? Which obviously red generally has quite a bit of ramp these days. Or acceleration, I guess, is the best way of putting it. But, you know, that's, you know, you're talking 30 to 40 permanents that then have to be essentially drafted, right, by the table. <laughs> Which, you know, anyone knows a draft takes forever, right? Like, you do a draft with, with sealed packs, and you pick one card and pass the other 14, and it takes, you know, the better part of 45 minutes to do three packs back and forth, winding through the table. Well, now you've got 40 cards that have to be picked <laughs> one at a time by three, four people, basically, right? So, yeah, it's it'll take a while. So I can see where people would maybe be like, oh, you know, we were going to try to get two games in tonight. And now we're only going to get one game in maybe. <laughs> right. So that can definitely add to the salt level for sure. No, that's totally fair. All right. Well, we're going to head on to our next section to hear maybe about each of our own personal thoughts. You know, feelings and scars, apparently, in SD's case. Uh, but before we do that, we'd love for you guys to check out our great patron community, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. Uh, we have tiers starting at a buck, $5, 15 and 25 <clears throat> And really, the dollar just kind of helps grow our subscriber base. You know, it helps, you know, the, the little bit that, that, you know, that really does help go a long way. But, you know, one of the things that we have done is with SD and Marketing Ross come on, uh, we have opened up a good 30% of our Discord. So if you join the dollar, you'll actually get access to way more. So if you've been in the Discord since we've had it open and it's free and you're like, I'd like to get a little bit more. If you have sign up for at least the dollar, you're going to unlock at least eight other channels. So patreon.com slash CMD Tower. Lots of great stuff on there. Now, <clears throat> I personally do not feel this way because now reading the card didn't explain the card, but reading the errata text explained the card. <clears throat> I think Mr. Bevers to kind of continue from the, what you were just saying where people are like, oh, man, they're shuffling up 60 permanents, 40 permanents doing this. I bet you that's because though, they're also shuffling their tokens as well. I, I, I would imagine because I, I would think, me as a seasoned magic player, I'd probably realize like, hey, you're exiling the tokens, and so they actually won't go there. But I bet you there's a lot of people that think that's more of like phasing. Like, hey, phase out all the permanents, you guys pick what you want, they come back in, no ETB effects, no nothing, so the tokens stay. So it does make it go a lot longer. For me, though, I'm at a stage in my magic career where I do like chaos. So if someone has this card in their deck, and it's just, it's their spice card, as we would call it on bruising builds, I'd be okay with it. It's like, oh, that's sweet. Like, I have one Armageddon in my Kalia deck, and it does fit my deck, but also I don't need the card. I don't need a tutor to go get it. 
you could run a thieves auction and say, hey, I do have some really bad permanents or I have some things that'll get me a one time use. And then once I use it, I can't really use it again. And so thieves auction would be a nice spice card to help me reset the game a little bit. I, I think that'd be fun. And, and I'm here for that. Yeah, I, I would not be mad at all. Plus, getting to seven mana in, and that's trip red as well. I'm going to assume you had to work towards it. It wasn't just, I'm playing mono red and I'm doing this because it doesn't feel like mono red at all. So uh, I, I I know SD has some scars that are being opened. The scabs are oozing. Why are you so hurt by this card? First off, I think it goes back to what Mr. B said, just how long it takes to resolve this this spell. And um, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of getting up there in age, uh, pushing 30, so... When I go to the LGS and I sit down to play a game, I don't want to spend 30 to 40 minutes resolving a spell when I'm probably only going to be there for an hour or two before I go back home to fall asleep in my chair. <laughs> That's the main thing. Another thing that I don't like is uh, I kind of have an expensive magic collection and I don't enjoy this card because I get really nervous when other people have my expensive magic cards. And it's very easy to finish up a game you know, an hour later after resolving the spell and whoops, you forgot to get your grim monolith from that guy you've never seen before and you're never going to see it again. That's the main, main issues I have with it. Another one is I'm a combo player. So I'm sitting there with my lands and my, <laughs> my artifacts <laughs> and I, I, I get kind of, I guess, crapped on at the, the end of the spell. So um, I was, I was telling Mr. Combo precast, I would be okay with this in, in my my play group, uh, like just my group of friends meeting up at one of our houses and playing. It wouldn't really bother me there. But as far as the LGS goes, it's going to be uh, Scoop City population me every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Scoop City. Well, you know, here's one thing I'll say. I genuinely hadn't given it much thought about the randoms playing with my really expensive cards. That is, that is a really good point. Um, Mr. Beverage, you typically don't get salty or like, I don't want to see that card played. But how do you feel about Thieves Auction? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting interaction and it's something that you don't see that often, right? I mean, obviously, it's only in 2,300 <laughs> decks, so obviously we're not seeing it that often. But I think the people that are playing it are playing it very specifically to to sort of throw off their opponents, right? Or to abuse it in some way. And I, I think that's fine for that play style, right? For me, uh, I think I get 100% where SD's coming from, right? With the whole, you know, if I'm playing a deck that has, you know, some very expensive magic cards in it, and then someone drops this and I go, hmm, do I know any of these people in my pod? No, I don't. Hmm. I don't know if I want to let you take my things that I might never see again, or we might forget that, you know, you and and, you know, I I'm speaking from experience here. I have exactly that thing has happened and I'm the perpetrator. I came away from uh, a magic tournament one time where we were playing commander and I got home and like a month later I was opening up my decks and I found somebody's Omnath in my deck. Why it was in there? I have no idea. <laughs> But what, and I have no idea whose it was, not a clue. Yeah, like I, I'm like, I don't even know who had this or where it came from because it was a month later that I found it, 
right? So I was like just some random guy that we were playing with. And now the, his Omnath is in my collection because I don't know who the, who the person was. I have no idea. And I and I had no way to contact them either. So I was just like, I, I have no idea who to even like, what do I just put it like a speak like thing that says, hey, I found an Omnath in one of my decks. Whose is this? I'm going to get like 50 yeah. people be like, yeah, that's my card. It was totally me that I was playing with you. And yeah. And I think it even ended up in a deck that I had like lent to somebody to play at the event who was like my friend and they went off and were playing and then they came back and it was just in there. So it was even someone that I didn't even play with. So I have no way to verify. Right. So it's just kind of like one of those things. So, you know, that is a real fear for sure for I'm sure for a lot of folks. So I think in that aspect, there is things we can do to, to, you know, get around that type of thing with random groups. Uh, But we can talk about that in the, in the next section of uh, the discussion, right? Yeah, I think the uh, only thing, you know, that that I would add, because, yeah, I mean, you guys were saying stuff that I genuinely hadn't thought of. I guess I guess, kind of hearing a little bit of that, you know what, we're going to save that for the next section because I feel <laughs> like everything I'm going to say is more like solving it. But, mm-hmm. yes, I, I can definitely see not wanting people to handle expensive cards. I'm a senior citizen at this point, and I like naps, and I can't do five-hour commander games that's just right you know it's kind of a waste of time so I, I can definitely see some of that but this almost seems like a general for any of these hey shuffle up all the permanents or shuffle everything into the library and reveal that many and you know i, I feel like that is very much just kind of saying like well maybe we're at a point in commander where those types of mass effect cards aren't really in the spirit of the format to use a phrase that I absolutely despise. Maybe that is kind of like where we've evolved to. I, I could see that just based on uh, how few decks that this card's actually in. I think I've only ever experienced it in the wild once. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Just wait till that drinkathon come November, buddy. <laughs> I've seen it on a spell table game. once. Oh God. No, no. <laughs> and like we insert the Michael from the office just screaming no <laughs> over and over. Like that's, that's terrible. Yep. It was it was very ridiculous. Uh and it caused just it was it was one of those games where and the person cast it when there wasn't a lot on the table, so it wasn't so bad to resolve, but like it but even just being like everyone had like infinite tokens out that was like this person's island right <laughs> and it was like <laughs> it's just this is a t- nightmare to keep track of right because then you also have a pile of your own cards that are off screen yeah. that are like not like they're not exiled and they're not in the graveyard <laughs> they're in that person's control over there right like th- they're oh, playing so like it's just it's very interesting curious did that happen on one of your streams or just in a random spell table game uh no no it wasn't so i was in somebody else's stream i was guesting on somebody else's channel and and one of the other guests played it and i was like oh this is interesting (laughs) Interesting. you're like mental note guess on the ban list before uh you come on to uh mr Beverly's twitch channel i mean it didn't bother me i mean you know you know me i mean that's The whole the whole purpose of the show it didn't bother me at all, but like it was a very interesting interaction for yeah. spell table, right? And it, I think it was actually like just when we were starting out doing spell table games, oh, okay. and it was one of those moments that I went, "This type of thing is probably not great for spell table." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> these types of effects where it's like I'm now taking other people's cards, not the best uh, when you're remote, you know? <laughs> nope. No. Nope. I definitely wouldn't. Wouldn't think so. That's mm. for sure. All right. Well, 
we are about to head over to that final, final section. And so before we do, guys, we would love for you to check out our Etsy store, etsy.com slash cmdtower. I always do that. I, I, why can't Etsy be like, there's like etsy.com slash stores slash, you know, it's like my fingerprint, uh, but really just etsy.com type cmdtower into the search logo. You'll find it. Thank you, Lemony Lennings. I saw when I was on my bachelor party, you uh, got one of our foil play mats. Super, super appreciate that. Um, but seriously, guys, we're coming up on the holidays. We do have our Jun sweaters on there. So if you're looking for like an ugly sweater to wear to your LGS, uh, yes, it is hideous looking, but it's awesome at the same time. Uh, you should go get that. Uh, we also do have our reminder tokens, the Monarch tokens, all that good stuff. So just go to Etsy.com, CMD Tower in the search bar, and anything you could do would really, really be helpful. All right, Mr. Bevers, <clears throat> we've been building up to it. What do we need to do? to change our salty habits if someone decides to drop a thieves auction at the table so i think i think the biggest one here with this is that this one's going to be one of those ones that needs to be covered with a pre-game discussion it, it it has to be because i think the biggest thing here is that if we were going to sit at a table with random people and and have a good time playing a game and you have, you know, let's say you have three or four decks with you and you go to the LGS and you sit down at a table and someone doesn't tell you that they have Thieves Auction in your deck in their deck and you play your expensive deck. And now you've got this risk of, well, now my expensive cards are going to be in control of other people and they may walk away with them at the end of the night or the end of the game. Uh, and I may not remember or, you know, remember to get them back, that kind of stuff. You've got those instances, right? So now if you know that it up front that it's in their deck, you might play a different deck that doesn't have maybe necessarily all the expensive cards in it. Or maybe you even go, okay, well, let me quickly, I'll just proxy these cards into my deck, right? Like I have mm -hmm. them here. Here's the actual copies, but I'm going to proxy them, right? Another thing you can do, right? If you have an expensive deck and uh, you have expensive permanents on the table when this is resolved, you could always give proxies to the people who are now controlling them as opposed to the actual cards. Even if you're, in person right and they might go oh that's too difficult no it's not that difficult we'll just give you a piece of paper that represents the card and and you can use that to represent it and we'll have if we need to reference the rules it's right here beside my deck right it's not yeah. in my exile it's not in my graveyard it's beside me here and this is a way that we can do this and that way i don't have to worry about people walking away with my expensive cards at the end of the night so there's there's solutions there as well right the other thing too right is that i mean the, the big one I'm going to say, and this is just me as Mr. B, this is what I would do and how I would handle this card is I would run really crappy permanence in my deck, uh, which is what I already do. So like, I don't like when someone resolves this card, I go, cool. Sounds good. Right. Like, I hope you enjoy my Mara Leaf Pixie that makes a green or blue mana and it's a two, two flyer, like whatever. Right. Like, go ahead and take it. I'm not a big deal. Right. I'll, I'll take yeah. whatever. What's that? You have a Lux cannon. Cool. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Like, you know, wh whatever, you know, kind of weird nonsense you want to do. That's the easiest way, in my opinion, is just, you know, run the cards that you love. And if you're worried about expensive cards or worried about your combos and stuff, you know, maybe look at putting other ways to recoup those things. Right. Um, like there's a lot of ways to return permanence to their owner's hands, right? So after a thieves auction is resolved, you can definitely recover some of your permanence from folks if you need to, right? There's also lots of ways to, you know, find different lines to win with other people's cards and or 
you know, have other methods in your own deck to to win instead of just one. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm a bad example of this as I have, you know, my boom headshot deck, which has the win condition of rocket launcher. And if it goes away, then that's that's it. <laughs> There's no other win condition in the deck. That's not the right way to build a deck, but it's the way I built that deck. But the point is, like, you know, you should always have multiple avenues of of winning and if you have them all in play at once and you haven't won there's something wrong right with with what's going on in the first place so i think a thieves auction is not something that we should be too concerned about when it gets resolved or gets cast i guess anyway because at the end of the day you're there for fun the biggest thing i think is that people also need to understand with resolving this card if you're the one casting it be prepared to have the conversation with the table up front that you have it in your deck. And not only that, but also be prepared to ask people to like try to make their decisions when drafting the cards quickly, right? And try not to be too, I guess, like political about the picks. Mm, you know what I mean? Because yeah, okay, yeah. a lot of that delays the game, right? In like that, oh, well, if you take that, then I'm going to take this thing from you. Or like, if you take that, I'll take this from them so that they don't get it. Like, those kind of conversations can start maybe with the initial picks, but then don't do it for every pick because if you do it for every pick, it makes the picks take forever, right? And yes, I understand that politics can be a big part of the game and people can't enjoy that aspect, but maybe not everybody in your pod enjoys that aspect, right? Or at least enjoys it to that extent, right? So a little bit of politicking is, of course, always fine, but don't make it, you know, a 50-minute decision to which which card do I pick now, Right. And and maybe one of the best ways to resolve this type of thing in the future is that if you plan to run Thieves Auction in your deck, tell people about it up front. Also bring like a timer or something and say, okay, when, when we resolve this card, if it gets resolved, everybody gets a minute and a half to pick their card and then we move to the next player, right? And that's it, right? You put them on kind of like a chess clock almost, right? Where yeah. it's like here you got, you've got a timer and as soon as your time runs out, you know what I mean? Your picks are auto-picked by the shuffler just like arena right god if we if we could figure out someone to create an accessory in real life to have it be a chess clock but for edh so it's like pass and it's like for the priority just like mtgo but have it be in <laughs> real life that'd be so nice because sometimes it's like man i swear you're the reason we're here for two and a half hours like you've been playing for an hour and a half we have done an hour collectively between the three of us <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing I would add to that, because you, you said a lot of things that are going to connect with me, and I'm actually, because I'm going to M30 in Vegas, because I, I don't do this too much, because I, usually if I'm playing in Kansas City, I'm playing with people that I know. And so I do know, or I trust that if one of my expensive cards ends up in one of their decks, they're going to be like, hey, there's this Grim Monolith, whose is it? And, you know, it'll be, okay, it's, it's fine. I don't have to worry about people, like, trying to grab it. But I think what I'm going to do when I'm going into M30, because I would say out of my like 42 decks, 32 plus or at least over $800, $700, just because cards have getting so expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. it's like, you know, I, I put like a $30 card in it four years ago. Now that $30 card is 80 bucks. Yeah. Right. So I think what I might do is when I sit down, I, I just might say, and Mr. Bevers, I'm curious if you think this would be a good way to do it. Hey guys, you know, excited to play with you, <clears throat> you know, from a power level perspective, I, I got decks kind of all over the place, but all of my decks are very expensive. I have some collectible cards in there. If you have anything that <clears throat> needs to deal with one of my cards, just know I'm going to be hand drawing you a uh, proxy. 
And uh, if that's not okay with you, then either I'm not going to play in the pod or I just need you to play a different deck. Is that is that a way to because I don't want and, and Bevers, I think you and I have talked about this. I don't like the well, I run. Hey, guys, rule zero. I run Thieves Auction on my deck because that, that could give away part of the strategy. Kind of like I'm not going to announce I have Armageddon in my Kalia deck, even though most people probably assume that I have it in there. So at least this is kind of a covert way for me as the player, at least not necessarily the one with the Thieves Auction, but it's at least a way that I give those players like, hey, if you're looking to do theft or you're going to need to mess around with my deck physically, right. I, I can't allow you to do that, but I'm happy to give you some blank pieces of plastic for you to draw on. Right. Would that be an okay way to do it? So I think I think... Yes, but also just be careful that you don't announce that you necessarily have a lot of expensive cards uh, in yeah. a public space. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's something else like, you know, it might be OK for the pod that you're in to hear that. But as soon sure. as you say it out loud, uh, people around you might hear it. And while you're playing, maybe your bag goes walking away. Right. You don't want those kind of things to happen either. So sure. I think I think the statement you're saying is is fair. But I think what you would say is instead of just saying expensive cards, just say, you know, like if you if your deck revolves around stealing my permanence or taking my cards in some way, right, regardless of how you do it, uh, just know that I have proxies ready to give you in that case. End of story. Well, End of but story. I'm not saying that I would have proxies ready. No, no, but I, like, I wouldn't have. Oh, no, no, okay. I, what I mean is like you basically just say like I will be providing proxies to you for those okay. cards if that's the case, just because I don't want other people handling my cards. And you could even say it from the aspect of, you know, there's a, a number of reasons why you might not want people handling your cards uh, that are all reasonable things, right? You Maybe sure. you don't want, you know, of chances of COVID spreading, you know, that kind of stuff. Like there's, there's so many options, right? At these days for why you don't want people handling your personal cards that I think it's totally reasonable to say, if, you know, if it, if that's the case, then I'm going to give these to you. And I think the same can be said for the rule zero conversation. Like you said, like you don't like telling people specifics, but right. For instance, with Calia, you can say, look, there is land destruction in the deck. That's it. You don't need to say yeah. mass land destruction. You don't have to say Armageddon. You can just say there is land destruction in the deck. End of story, right? Mm -hmm. right? Same with Thieves Auction. You don't have to tell them specifically Thieves Auction, but you can say my deck does have the ability to take other people's permanents. End of story, right? And that's all it has to be. Uh, and I think that's all the rule zero conversation needs to be in that case if you're trying to uh, at least keep some information hidden about what the strategy is, Right. Because that can happen as well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. I think it's fine. Uh, now, some people may press you for more information as like, well, what kind of this or what kind of that? And if you're not comfortable answering those questions, then you might need to find another pod kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because that is going to be something that people ask. Um, and unless you can come up with a, a reason of like, well, you know, I don't want to give away the whole strategy of my deck. They might be like, well, you know, I you know, you telling me one card is in your deck is not going to give away your whole strategy, probably, right? Like, chances are that's not the case, right? So that kind of thing, I think a lot of people are going to probably pressure you on. But at the same time, as long as you come prepared with a with a proper statement to meet these pods at Magic 30 or where, whatever event you might be going to, I think you're fine, right? I think it's I think it should be OK and it shouldn't be too bad, right? All right. Well, SD. How could someone uh, say it to you where then all of a sudden you're not like, what, Thieves Auction on the stack? Scoop. 
I think the best way to handle that is with the pregame discussion. Um, Mr. B made like a lot of great points. And I, I kind of get your point of like not really wanting to give your strategy away with pregame discussion. But uh, I'm of strong belief that if you're playing something like Warp uh, World or Thieves Auctions, something that's going to take loads of time to resolve, you need to be very specific about running that in your deck. You need to be like, hey, this is my Chaos deck. I have Thieves Auction in it. Is that okay? And for me, it's going to be like, yeah, you can play that. Just please don't play that card. Or if you're, you know, you're hell-bent on playing Thieves Auctions, I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to walk over here and play at a different table because I don't want to have to run into a card that's going to take 30 minutes to an hour to resolve. So I, I think it's very important to be um, transparent about running something like that. So is yours only the time, or would it still also be the you don't want to deal with proxies because like, for example, that could happen with me and my Empress Galena deck. There is no warp world effects. It's yeah. just, I'm stealing a whole lot of stuff. So <clears throat> on the expensive card front, if I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, man, it's a chaos deck. Uh, we're all going to be shuffling around permanence. You could do proxies if you want. Like if someone said that, would you be like, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. do proxies. Or would you still be like, nah, I'm out. No, I, I would do proxies, and you brought up a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, and I, I think I'll do that for Vegas as well, just because, I mean, in a setting like that, you you don't know what you're going to run into. I mean, it's not like the LGS where you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go home and come back next week. It's, you know, yeah, it's a one-time thing. So the proxy thing is a very good idea. I mean, even something like Infinity Tokens, you know, you just pull that out and write on the card, you write the card name on it and hand it to them. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's mm -hmm. completely fine. Awesome. Well... Any last thoughts, gentlemen, <clears throat> around Thieves Auction and either why you wish this card would uh, disintegrate? Like someone could do like uh, Back to the Future. Go, oh God, what is it, 88? Is it 88? Yeah, it's 88 miles oh. per hour. Oh, woo! Thank <laughs> God, I almost got my nerd card taken away. <laughs> almost, uh, almost. <laughs> oh man. Well, hopefully our fellow members of the collective, you two have learned to be a more joyful magic player when your opponent attempts to throw salt in your eye. I'm Mr. Con over five saying good night. See ya.